Hello and welcome to another episode of Hughes of Love. Yeah. <laughs> I have with me my baby back rib and mother of my kids, my beautiful wife and co-host Kisa. Hello. If you are new and this is your first time tuning in to Hughes of Love podcast, this is a space where we talk about our journey of life and faith through the lens of a Christian Black couple raising five kids. Now, I'm so excited about today. We have two incredibly special guests with us, my pastor, senior elder of Zion Assembly of Harrisburg, Raleigh, and his lovely wife, Renee Wingfield. Thank you so much for joining us. It's good to be it's here. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Good. Pretty excited about it, actually. I'm feeling really good here. Excellent. Us too. We are so excited. So we have a series of questions for you guys. Um, we may not get through them all, and that's okay. But we'll ask, and we'll see where we get. So okay. question number one. So tell us a little bit about how you met, and what's your story? Okay. We're going to start with Raleigh, because I like his story better. <laughs> That's because I'm a little more romantic. <laughs> well, Me too. Yeah, well, that's Marcus too. Okay, excellent. Then you get it, Marcus. Um, well, um, how we started, we met in very young in life, um, in high school. Uh, Renee had just relocated back to the city because they lived in South Carolina for a while, came back to Harrisburg. Um, by some gift of God, I met her in the neighborhood that I lived in. Uh, didn't walking his dog. Walk, well, she, I was working uh, as a, I was mowing the lawn oh, that for was somebody. That. Okay, see. And you and your your friend, your sisters came walking by. I met her sister first in school. And he came walking by and my eye caught her and I thought, oh, there's, there's two of them. Because <laughs> this girl was who I thought was very attractive at the time. Very, very short, very attractive. And, but when I saw Renee, I was like, oh, Oh, that one's older. <laughs> and <laughs> no, just but anyway, I knew that I wanted to meet her. And it turned out that in the sophomore year, when we after the summer, that summer was over, she ended up being in my homeroom. Oh, nice. cool. Right in front of me. Convenient. Convenient. <laughs> because of our my my maiden name is a is Williams. Yeah. So oh, right, I never. Right, right. Oh, yes, I did know that. So I sat in front of a Wingfield. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's how we kind of got to know each other. Um, and that sophomore year in high school was the beginning of some serious interest that I had in her. Um, and I guess towards the end of the year, uh, she demonstrated some affection towards me, which I was surprised at. It wasn't affection. No. Okay. No. Well, okay. So he, here's what happened. He was bragging. <laughs> He's a he. He was a jock. Okay. Um, and he was bragging about all these awards that he was going to get at the end of the year at the assembly. And I remember, well, not so much bragging as much as it was. He was so excited about what was going to happen and what he was looking forward to getting. Well, at the end of the assembly, and we at back in the day back then, you'd go back to homeroom and get all your stuff and you'd leave. And he came into the, the to our classroom and he was so mad. And I was like, what's wrong with you? You know, and I just stopped and I really just talked to him and then he explained what it was. And really that was the beginning, I think, of of us um that was the first time she showed me some real attention <laughs> <laughs> because, because 
and I was so anyway that was the first time there was more drama to it but um but we started dating that summer actually we're not dating but she says she'd be my girl that summer and it was kind of funny how that happened because um there was another friend of mine that played ball with me and and we were hanging out one day we were all young just learning how to drive and one of the buddies got a, a old car and we were driving around and this friend was in the car and we were talking about kids in school and whatever and it was towards the end of the sophomore year and uh, he was hey you know this girl in my biology class uh renee williams and yeah i know who she is she sits in front of me in home room he said i think i like her man i think i'm gonna ask her to date me go with me i said really he said, <laughs> I said, really? He said, yeah. So I said, no. Hey, man, take me by my house. I need to run home. Wait. I got to go do something real quick. <laughs> I got something I got to do. This is, this is the truth. This is how it happened. So he took me home. And I went home to call my, my girl. And I said, I got on the phone and called her. And um, basically in a conversation, I asked her if she would be my girl. I remember... Everything about that conversation to this day. Would you go with me? I said, would you go with me? It was June 4th. I remember the day. It was a Tuesday. I don't remember. I'm sorry. I, I remember this. So she said, I'll let you know. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Got to keep them hanging. Yeah. <laughs> Thursday, two days later, she said, yes. And... I was really happy about that because this, I mean, she was extremely, we, 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 we blended in a lot of ways, even just being homeroom classmates. And, um, and I knew that when I first visited her in her home, um, that was a day that something prophetic happened actually. Because back in those days when you're a sophomore and junior in high school, you're just a kid, you know, you, you hang around with your friends, you grew up with boys in the neighborhood, you hang out in your, in your groups. Those days, gangs were not a bad word, you know, we just, you, as soon as you leave your house, you go get your buddies and you hang out and do stuff. So there were friends who we had, and I remember when I first visited her after she said that, um, that I could, you know, she'd be my girl, and um, I was on top of cloud nine on the way home. I was really really, really psyched. I was really pumped up. And I saw one of my good friends that I had been for many years in the neighborhood there. And I said, I told him where I was. I said, guess where I was at, man? I was uh, at Renee Williams's house visiting her. I said, she's my girl now. He said, oh yeah. I said, yeah, man. I said, I got a feeling that we're going to be together a long yeah. time. That's what I told him. I remember that day clearly. It was a sunny day. I remember that day clearly. I said, I get a feeling we're going to be together a long time. And so that's where that conversation ended. I went on home or whatever. And um, man, she's been in my heart and in my life ever since. So that's that's such an awesome story. Awesome. It is. It is a sweet story. And in, in the, you know, so in, in high school, you know, we were called Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And I can remember, you know, you know, at the end of the year, they give out the superlatives and that's who we were. We were our classes, you know, classmates, Romeo and Juliet. And even now, you know, we've gone to our class reunions and they still see us, yeah. you know, they see us together yeah. and they're like Romeo and Juliet. And of course, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, 
no, you guys. It, I'm at the stage now where I tell them, no, we are not Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> I said, technically, I said, you know, we're more like Abraham and Sarah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you survived. Yeah, you you know, survived right? love. Exactly. You know, I said, you obviously don't remember English class. You know? Right. <laughs> So yeah, and, and it was funny that um, we we learned to do everything together because we were so young when we met. Right. That every stage of life we went through, we went through together. That's true. Um, we were always together, and we just fell in love. I mean, we, we did. were friends. Yeah, you know, we were friends. This is my friend. Mm -hmm. And and in, in back back in those days, high school was really cool we had fun we had we fun we had a lot of friends common friends we you know all of us did things together a big group of us and and it didn't change who we were i mean they they you know they they really respected our our relationship and it took us all the way through high school and through college and you know and once um, we were in college um we decided at at a at a point while we were still going to school that we might as well get married. I mean, they're, let's, let's, let's make it legal. Let's make it legal and go ahead and get married because we are not going to ever split up. Yeah, my dad was like, is he ever going to go home? <laughs> <laughs> my mom was like, you can't leave up that girl's house. <laughs> so wait, so let's, let's back up a second because I think I heard you say that it was in college that you guys decided to get married. Yes. So what was it, I guess, when you got to college, right? Um, that made you decide, like, well, let's you do know, this. It's, it's, it's really interesting. I, and this is my perspective of, of what, ha well, one of the things that happened was um, my father was running, um, he had, you know, he was a, um, actually, he was the first uh, African-American elected uh, city controller in the city of Harrisburg. Okay. And, um, and when he, he was, he, we would, when Raleigh was telling the story about us moving back um, from South Carolina, we had actually moved to South Carolina. My parents had moved all of us down there to take care of her parents. Well, then I had a, a my youngest sister, my youngest sister, um, while we were in South Carolina was diagnosed with leukemia. And um, my father being a northerner, he was like, okay, well, what can I do to, so that this child can live? And um, the, the, the only thing that, you know, because you, this was like back in the 60s. And so usually by the time that they found the, a child, you know, that <clears throat> they were diagnosed with, this, with leukemia, they were dead, you know, like in months. And um, when, but my, so anyway, long story short, uh, we, the uh, doctor said, well, there are clinic, there are things called clinical trials. And so we, he said, okay. He said, where are they? And fortunately, the closest one was NIH, which is in Bethesda, Maryland. And we moved back to Pennsylvania and um, uprooted us. But my dad, it, it, and this is the beauty of it. He didn't have a job when he came back and um but when he he was um appointed to the office of city controller first black one and then he had to run for the office after the first year because somebody had died so so that's how we got here well anyway he was uh, a very well edu you know highly educated man 
and he was he ran for a state treasurer, first black person, and he lost. Long story short, so I'm in my going into my second year of college, and it's like, well, how am I going to pay for it? You know, he's out of a job. I got a job, took a job, and then we looked at each other and said, well, we're both working. He was going to school, mm-hmm. and we said, let's get married. You know, let's make it. You know, I'm making my money. You're making your money. Let's let's do let's let's make this permanent. You know, the only thing that I can say about that whole decision was, um, which is so different than how we're raising our children, is the involvement of other people in that decision. And I think that had we had better counsel, you know, I tell the story, you know, like when Raleigh and I do marriage counseling about when we decided that we were going to get married, we went to my, you know, because that's the, that's pretty much usually what happens is you go to the the um, the uh, woman's church, you know, and her pastor marries because supposedly there's supposed to be some better relationship, I guess, or whatever, you know, that that they're known or I don't know tradition or tradition. Okay, tradition. Mm-hmm. So we went, and I'll tell you, the counseling consisted of. Uh, you want to tell that story? Well, go right ahead. <laughs> it was, um, this is how much you pay me. This is how much you have to pay the church. These are the songs that you can and cannot play. Or do you have, I guess you guys love each other. Do you have any other questions? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was about it. And I was, oh my goodness. I was 20 years old. And she was 19. And I was 19. Because he's born in April. I'm born in October. So now just. That's what you got at 19 and 20. I could barely, like, I wasn't even doing my own laundry at 20, let alone getting married. And that's what you got. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, Well, times were different then, guys. You know, there was a lot of things we could describe in terms of the wider context of what was going on in life. You know, certainly in our lives, you know, our parents and our family, the homes we came from, um, the level of attention that we got from them was pretty much zero um so but they loved us but they had other concerns going on in their lives but then but then again if you look back i mean in the blessing of this all you know it it proves to us that there are lives that god puts together for his reasons and his purpose and god has a plan and he doesn't always do that according to some level of chronology or connecting all the dots of what is tradition in the in the environment in the environment that you live in because the environment can be very different in different parts of the world in terms of how you met each other and what was normal for you to be joined together some people in some right. cultures a lot earlier than that um, but we looking now, we walking in a kingdom, in a kingdom life, and we understand how important it is to build relationships with strong foundation. Oh my! Um, we definitely can see the gap. We survived, but we would want to build a bridge. In fact, the two of you are very much. Um, we're very proud of, in a good way, of the of the journey that you have taken the time that you've taken to get it right. Yes. Um, even from when you first started dating, I mean, the way you, you connected your, together to build a relationship, you know, I, we had a, an opportunity, the privilege of being a part of that with you. And it's almost as though we were trying, of course, in the grace of Christ, 
and in all of the from all of the foundation or platform of being your spiritual leader, your 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 pastor, and Marcus knowing you from being a very young child, seeing you grow up and watching your life, watching your faith development and how you matured into a young man really make ready to make a serious decision like this. Um, I felt a lot of investment, a lot of commitment to to the two of you. Um, I felt a lot of interest because you were so willing to learn. You were so willing to submit. Right. You're so willing to yield. You're so willing to get it right. Right. And that 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 was that was I think a, a big part of it too, the getting it right. You know, we, you know, we looked at our lives and we said if we can help someone else get it to start right, mm -hmm. they're gonna finish right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You guys are the, you guys really are the only ones. Uh, this doesn't sound that doesn't sound, doesn't good. sound good. But <laughs> I, I Go ahead, just say it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we can be the favorite. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you listened. You, you you listened. You're the only ones that we had the privilege of working with you from day one until now. Right. And the various stages that you've gone through, you've shared your lives with us. And we've been allowed to, sh to, to share our lives with you along those various stages. And we hope and pray that the grace that was transferred from us to you builds within you even exponentially beyond where it is right now, yeah. because the yeah. roots in you go so deep because you had such preparation in the beginning. We, we, we went through a whole process of just dating, remember? Yeah. <laughs> just relationship building. We took right. a survey, just relationship building, even before you decided to get married. Right. How you were going to understand one another, communicate with each other. What are your concerns in a relationship? We had a formal survey we took you through and walked you through that. And then you decided to get married and then we started the whole process again. <laughs> with that goal in mind, which made everything much more serious now because you had chosen, because you went through the process of that building a relationship that you decided through that process, she's the one, he's the one. And now we're going to dig in a little deeper. And then you got married, beautiful wedding. Oh, it uh, was. Very that unique, was. very different, very beautiful. <laughs> was. And then you started raising your children, you know, and, and that, that, snowball going down the hill in a very, very positive and good way and becoming so mature, the two of you, in how you take ownership and responsibility for yourselves and the whole challenge of being married, being young, yeah. trying to start your careers, mm -hmm. making those tough decisions about who's gonna raise the kids and in what way, how to build a household, how to be parents, and, and being married and in love with each other and carrying all of that together with the foundation of Christ in your life, that you, that you have a governor, a spiritual governor that is Christ to know when things are going haywire, to know when things are going wrong, to know when to ask for help, to know when to call a pause, a timeout and say, let's get some counsel, let's get some advice, let's, let's, let's bring our issues before one who we trust and let's lay it all out there. And, and you do that, you did that and you do that, which, which is a sign of such strength because 
you know, people tend to wait till things get crisis level before, you know, before yeah. they, they reach out for help. They think it's reaching true. out for help is an issue of weakness, but really it's an issue of strength. Right. And, and you have, you guys have done it right. And I just pray that, you know, the input that we've tried to give to you, I, I, I see what's happening in your life. And I'd like to think that we have he's, something he's to do excited. with that, but I'm giving Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you all the credit you have all the credit of what work you put into making your lives the way that they yeah. are we're just glad we can come alongside of you say well and, done and yeah and just be so proud and of you thank you so much for investing the time you know absolutely but i think that that's a good point to make so you both were really invested in making this thing work it was just it came naturally um you made the decision in college, but what, at what point did you pursue Christ? Mm -hmm. Well, well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll say that mm -hmm. because Christ came in for me when we, you know, without even having counsel, um, when we took our wedding vows, you know, because I, my personal thing was um i'm i'm saying these vows and the, there's only three people here that's raleigh god and me and i'm i'm making this commitment to you lord with this man and didn't know what that all meant necessarily because i didn't know the lord in the way that i would if i had been in a i always say in a place where it was helping me grow up in my faith. You know, I believe that I had accepted the Lord as a young child and then life came along and I got off the path. And um, so actually getting married was a way to get back a little bit on it, you know, that I had to make that connection to the Lord, you know, that, that, um, Hey, it's me, <laughs> you know, it's me and you and him, you know, I'm taking him, you know, and we're here. And, and, uh, and I said, you know, whatever comes, you know, there is, I'm not, I will never divorce this man. Now I said that, I don't even think though, that I ever said that to, to Raleigh. Did I? Well, you said to death does do part. You know that what, that, that was it. in the wedding. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but we never had a, like, like when you guys did, had counseling, you know, yeah. that was one of the things that you, that you, that, that you agreed going in, that that was one of the foundations that you built your, this relationship mm -hmm. on, you know, that come, if, if, if the gates of hell came against you, you know, you were not walking away from the commitment that you're making. Mm -hmm. So you right. had foundation we didn't we did not have that you know i mean um so because the only thing that we said was what we said while in vows. In, right. in our vows and yeah. i'm and i just want to make that point but really. christ came into our life early in our marriage Which because you know we 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 weren't practicing the principles of kingdom life right uh so we had history of having been in the church religious for, you know, we were raised in a church. I was raised in a church. And I do remember saying a sinner's prayer back at age 14. I do remember that. Okay. Uh, I didn't know what to do with it. But, you know, right. the pastor was that influential. My heart was touched by what he was saying. I was trying to envision a relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, he taught us through Jesus, you know, on the various Christmas and Easter kinds of things. And that was the knowledge, extended my knowledge with him, you know, and having to make a, a confession of re repentance from sin. He made those issues. 
you know, clear to us. Now and, he and he was in a Baptist church, and I was in a Methodist church, so we didn't have all that formality. Well, you know, there was no coming. I mean, there was an issue of coming down to the altar, but I didn't go down there at fourteen. I sat in my in my pew and did that. So I remember that prayer, but I didn't know what to do with it, and I didn't act on it very much, except that the fear of God never left my heart. Even when I was in my wacky years, um, I, I knew how to give place to the holiness and sovereignty of God. So, so I wasn't a total um, heathen. heathen in the sense of, you know, running around and, you know, in the, in the tombs, cutting myself and screaming and yelling. Right. But, but um, when we got saved or when we, um, when we got married, it was a couple of years, we were married for five years um, before we had our first child. And I guess around the fourth year or so, we got serious about wanting to have our first. And we came to the realization that we can't live this way and bring a child into the world. You know, we, we got to get things together. So we knew to get back home. We didn't have a path, but we knew That's things true. in our life had to get ironed out and it had to be in the name of the Lord. It couldn't just be, let's get these things out of our lives. Um, and then one day, uh, so Renee was having her journey. God was bringing her in. You can talk about you and Anita if you want. Okay. Um, I, I could see her coming through a change. She wasn't doing some of the things that we had used to been doing, having fun with. And suddenly she's pulling out and not wanting to participate. And I'm like, well, okay, I got friends. Um, and one day a friend of ours who used to hang out with us in a, you know, worldly kind of way, he had gotten saved. And, um, some while after that, you know, he came to us, to me and my brother and a couple other friends, he called us at the same time and told us that the Lord wanted us to give our life to him. And this is the guy we used to Go ahead do, do things it. with, drink with and what happened. Yeah. And that opened my heart because the fear of the Lord was there. He kind of tapped that, touched that thing in me that called, that said, you should, you should at least look Listen to don't, this. Don't, don't ignore that. Yeah. You should follow up on that. And so we began going back to church. And basically that was it. Renee was already ready when I told her this had happened. It wasn't a shock to her. You yeah. can talk about that. I had a, the, the, the way that my journey worked out was I was, we were living in an apartment and our upstairs neighbor was the sweet, sweetest young woman, you know, um, and that I would, that I would say, you know, is a saint, you know, she was a saint, is a saint, is a saint, but oh, I mean, but I didn't know that saint. vocabulary because that wasn't the, the way that I was raised, so to speak. You know, and um, I just started telling her, you know, what I was going through. And she very simply said to me, you know, well, I can't tell you what you should do, but you know what you should do. And I was like, wow, okay, you're right. And that night I just went downstairs in, in, um, in, in, my, in our apartment and locked the bathroom door, locked the the bedroom door and got down on my knees and, and asked the Lord to forgive me for living a rebellious life and, and uh, clean, clean me up. Mm -hmm. And, and so then Raleigh in the meantime, maybe a week or two later, someone comes knocking on our door for him and says, the Lord has need of you, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, what does that mean? So, so, <laughs> So it wasn't even a long time between the two of you that you that God called both of you, really. But he called us at the same time, but in different ways. I mean, we weren't together when we got the call. Yeah. 
And so that changed life for us dramatically because we didn't just start going back to church, guys. We got saved. We got saved. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like, well, we just attended the church service. We gave our life to God. And, that's, and that had a lot to do with the ministry that we went back to because we went, I went back to the Baptist church that I was raised in. And, you know, he was preaching the gospel, but the church system didn't take us to maturity. It never right. took us over the, the chasm from, from Babylon to the kingdom of God. It just said there is a, there is a, a promise to you you know, join the system of the church of the religion, but it didn't transition our life. Um, and then right after we had found that out, because we did respond to the call to the, when the pastor pre preached, we did go down front, you know, a couple of weeks la later, and um, they just joined us, signed us up and joined, they gave us offering envelopes and told us, you know, sign you up for baptism. And that's kind of the end of it. But our heart was crying out for something more Lord. than that. That's, that wasn't what brought us here. We didn't come down here to sign up on that. And we, we came here to, to repent. You know? yeah. Yeah. repent. I mean, we, we had a burden that we wanted to get lifted off our heart. We wanted a fresh start of life. And that came without teaching, without mentoring, without training. We were young. We were young. I got, we, I got saved at what, 22, 23. Yeah. We were young. And this this thing was live in us. So um, we ended up going to a Pentecostal church to visit a friend. The same friend, though, that had told him. To no, come. no, it wasn't him. No, it was his brother. He went there. It was his brother. Yeah, he went there. But yeah. Anyway, it, he, it, it, it wasn't him. It was his, actually his brother-in-law. Okay. Herman was his brother-in-law. But they were going to the same church at the same time. I'm not sure for him. We were going to Jamie's church. Anyway, okay. So we went to this Pentecostal church. Okay. We worked in the Pentecostal But anyway. We got there. Early. And now, again, I understand we're, we're young kids hungering for something God told us to come to. There's something he said, I need, I'm calling you to. She heard it. She gave her, her confession to it as best she knew how from her training. I took my wife back to the church I was raised in because I thought that was the only path back to get this call responded to. And, and, and so anyway, anyway, we ended up in this church and another uh, church, another church, a Pentecostal church. And uh, we got in there and our friend who we came to visit, the visit there with, he wasn't even there. And so we were waiting in the lobby and they said to us, well, he's going to be here, but uh, why don't you come on in and sit down? You might as well join the service until he gets here. We said, well, okay, made sense. Until we found out that the only seats available were, we're on the, the second pew. We're in the front. <laughs> <laughs> in the Pentecostal church. Oh, no. <laughs> What? What? We're stuck. We might be here all day. <laughs> oh. There is no escaping no from escaping. the second pew. God had us by the throat. But, God had but, us by the throat. But, he said, sit down up front and get this. But I had been trained amazing. religiously. So I'm sitting there, listening, you know, I'm sitting in a place where there are drums and, and, uh, an organ going and it just really loud and, and everything and all I could hear though was people going Jesus 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 and I'm like well I'm a, am I in a Jesus only church you know not knowing and then when I when uh, at some point someone prayed and they said in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit I said oh okay so they do believe in the triune God <laughs> well I'll, 
I was I was on a whole different path. I, I'm 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 waiting for an angel to come and get me to take me to heaven. I, I I'm so ready. I'm so ready. I didn't know what to do. I was so ready. Was I'm ready. looking for a path. Any path would do. I didn't need nothing deep. Just call me to the kingdom. That's all I wanted. And I'm telling you honestly, guys, that that is all I wanted. I mean, this if if you 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 Jesus is real. There is a a thing called the call of God on your heart. There is something called seeing the light. I saw the light. Absolutely. It's for real. I lived it. I know it's real. And when that thing is on your life, you're not at peace until you respond to it. And you don't have to go searching for which path to follow, what church to go to and all of that. The Holy Spirit is in charge of that whole process. I remember the Jehovah's Witness while we were going through this because it wasn't an instant thing. It was weeks and weeks that had gone by, months had gone by while we were looking. And uh, in fact, it might have been a year. Um, and this, these Jehovah Witness people came by our house, our apartment, and they wanted to bring us there. And I let them in because I'm like, is this the path? Because I knew I would find a path. Is this the path? So they sat down and talked this talk, you know, and I was interested in what they were saying because I'm, I'm trying to figure out, is this the path? So when that conversation was over, I guess they, their time clock ran out and they had to leave and go to another house or whatever. They were going to bring the big boy by, you know, the, the big elder was going to come by the house. And they wanted to make an appointment that the big elder come over. And I said, thank you, but don't bring That's him over. Necessary. That's not necessary. Because I said, I'm looking for the way. And if you have it, I'll come find you. You don't have to come find me because I'm going to find a way. That's what I told him. I'm looking and I want, I, I will know when the right thing is come. I'll come for you. You won't need to come for me. That's how strong it was working in my life. And that's how even without knowledge, the call of the Holy Spirit can guide you to, to the life he has for you. So when we got to this Pentecostal church, this preacher that day was not deep at all. And he made an appeal to prayer, and I remember the words to this day. He called people to come pray, and people weren't in a hurry to get down front. Basically, nobody was responding, in other words. <laughs> and he was trying to get him to come down. He said, if prayer don't help you, it sure won't hurt you. That was his altar call. <laughs> <laughs> if prayer don't help you, it sure won't hurt you. That's <laughs> But I was looking for anything to get down there. I was looking for anything to, to respond because I, I had already told God no once before. I think I've told you guys this account in that church where the, the, the Holy Spirit gripped my heart at one point. And I fought that thing. I, I, I remember clinging to the, we were sitting on the edge, the, aisle, the middle aisle of the, uh, we were sitting in the pew. I was on the aisle seat. I was holding on to the seat. To, to resist what was working inside my conscience. Because my, con my conscience wanted to get relieved and my flesh was saying, no, don't go. And my flesh won. And I remembered how futile it is for your flesh to win over your spirit. It was a powerful lesson. I was in fear. I literally was in fear. And I told Renee, do you remember this yeah, on the way home? I, I said, I said, if they I make another altar if they make call, another altar call I'm, I'm going down, down front. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they say. <laughs> I, I, I'd be like, God, please give me one more chance. 
please give me one more chance. And I said, if they did it again, I'm going down front. And so the next week- It was dry it toast. It was dry toast. Oh my goodness. I went anyway, I went anyway. <laughs> I went down front anyway. I didn't feel nothing. I just went, I just went trying to make up for what I, because I, I realized you cannot beat God. You beat God, that's a bad place to be. To <laughs> yeah, that is. Wow. That's a bad place to be. Um, I mean, like, I'm, guys, I didn't have any training in this thing. That's what I knew in my heart. You don't want to fight God and win. At some point, you want to give up and let him win. I mean, right. just the fear of God has got to teach you that. And so we went to this Pentecostal church. I, it didn't take much. I'm looking for any kind of thing. And so he said that. I got up and I went down front. Well, I started praying. I don't know what I was praying. I was just, I remember the picture in my mind was the stained glass images we've all seen in churches where Jesus is standing at the door knocking. That was the picture in my mind. And I was saying, come in, come in. I come into he was my crying, life. snotting, and every kind of man. Thing. I got done. My whole shirt was all wet down to the front. The whole shirt. I remember the color shirt I had. It was a tannish kind of rust color shirt. It was soaking wet, snot all coming down. I started speaking in tongues, and I thought they were gonna throw me out of the church. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know what tongues were. I didn't know what tongues were. And they kept telling me, keep going, keep going. I'm like, these people did not hear what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> Because I had enough sense in me to know that if they heard this gibberish coming out of my mouth, they think I just said something. They would throw me out of this church talking. I didn't know nothing about tongues. Yeah. But they kept coaxing me because they stood around me by this time because they could see I was one of the hot ones. So, <laughs> so they were saying, you know, all the auto workers. You were a hot cold. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So they still, and so they're, you know, and they're coaxing me to continue praying. And I'm like, oh, I'm having this battle. Like, should I stop? Because this utterance is coming up with such force and such energy. And I remember the battle in my mind, in my spirit telling my mind, shut, you know, just stop thinking, stop processing this. This is a moment. Let's just, just let this happen. And so I did, I couldn't explain it. I, I was kind of embarrassed when it was over. Um, the pastor, but everybody was happy. Yeah, they was all happy, and I didn't know why. <laughs> you know, the pastor gave me the microphone, asked me what happened to me. I'm standing in front of the church. I don't know anybody in here. <laughs> I can't answer that question. What happened? I don't know what happened. <laughs> like I have no idea. God <laughs> happened. God happened. I had an experience. Right. I got what I needed out of my heart and into my heart. I met the moment. I know that. And guys, that was the fire that was lit in me has never gone out to this very day. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question and it definitely pertains to that. So we know um, that that fire that was lit in you started you um, on a journey and God called you to ministry. So with that and the calling that you had, what was that like starting ministry so young? And then also starting ministry so young and with a family as well. Well, we didn't have a family yet. That okay. Because there was a there was a journey even in that um, after words. But I will let I just want to clarify that point. Mm -hmm. We because technically the part that of where we really started the ministry with young children was when we went out 
when when God called us out of this particular um, community or, or denomination to start a work that he was calling. I had been calling Raleigh probably for the longest time. Before. Yeah. So, so you'll have to let us know that because we are very interested okay. in what it's like when you guys started. Well, we were very dedicated to the church. Um, we were there. Um, 24-7. Whenever the doors were open, we were there. Not because anybody made us go. It was where our life was. Yeah. We were rooted in whatever was building us in the faith. So that was life for us. We escaped sin. We got away from old friends. We came out and told them, we're, we're not coming out to hang out with you guys no more. No more Friday night parties. We'll be in church on Friday night. Yeah. We're in church on Sunday morning. We're in church on Wednesday night. If we you just, want to find us, if you want to fit them whatever know. street. Oh yeah, we're at Fifteenth and 15th Foster. And Foster street. That's you know, where we're at. And we, we gave be there. All. Yeah. If you want to find welcome, us, that's where we that's are. That's where we're at. Yeah. And that and was different. So we, by being embedded in the church, we got involved in the community of the church. So when needs come up, you respond to it. I mean, it wasn't anything where you felt any special calling to it, but I've never been the type to sit by and let things be a need and not respond. It just doesn't seem right to me. If you say there's a need, uh, I am one and Renee is one because we did everything together. If there's a need, we're going to, we're going to volunteer. That's just how we've always been. So it started with Sunday school. They needed a Sunday school teacher and they had a, ma a manual for you to use. Um, we were going to be there anyway. So it started with junior high school, Sunday school class and needed a teacher. And I looked around, they made the appeal, nobody raised their hands off. So I said, okay. Cause I was in the word from from day one. I'm, I was in the word cause I was loving everything I was learning because it made sense. Right. <laughs> and I, not that I had any of pedigree to teach but they gave you a book. You know, you follow the book. All the questions are in the book, scriptures are in the book. But the heart to serve was cultivated in that first decision. Because it went from there to the next class to another class and finally the adult class to finally ministry training. Now we raised Marley. Marley was born there. Our first child was born there. And we just made it work. We brought her along with us. Um, we did by vacation Bible school. We'd had that for two weeks of every summer. There was two weeks of Bible school. And Renee was involved with the children and she had a, she was a Girl Scout leader, yeah. started a Girl Scout um, uh, chapter there at the, at the church. And we just got involved. We didn't necessarily see it as ministry. We were just plugged into whatever was going on in the community of the church until I got the call to eldership. And that was almost told me because I didn't feel anything. I didn't know what it was. Um, but having been given opportunities to teach made it a natural progression to become involved in the eldership training. It was a three-year training program. In the hierarchy of the church. Mm -hmm. And the pastor spent personal time with myself. It was 11 of it, 12 of us. Back in the time we got saved, a lot of young people were getting saved. The church was full of 20-somethings. That's true. Friday night. Friday night, we come in at seven o'clock for prayer on the altar. Service started at nine. Pastor was preaching around 10, nine or 10, because you had testimony service from seven. You know, prayer was from six to seven. Testimony service from seven to nine. Pastor started preaching at nine. He got done around midnight. 
and then we went to Denny's or or um, Dunkin' Donuts. And that was your Friday night. That was Friday night, and the pastor would go with us because all the young, all the young twenty somethings would hang out after service was over, and we'd all go to Denny's and have pancakes and whatever else they were serving here. Sit around and talk. Sit around and talk, and then all those twenty somethings started having babies. And they were all, we were all having babies at the same time because we were all the same age. And we have pictures of us in banquets. The choir, we had a powerful choir. The choir stand was packed with young people. We had concerts um, because back in those days, it was just that way. And go ahead. Yeah. Well, I guess really, you know, we could go. Uh, that is our past. Mm. And, 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 uh, and I guess really, I, what I, prefer to, to look at is the here and now yeah you know and the difference of what it was because the because the there's also a sadness when I look back at the past because of there wasn't any sustainability right you know one of the things that that we you know that that we can look at is just the 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 failures not so much the well yeah, yeah. they're failures failures along the way of people that whose children, you know, um, you know, they might have been their parents might have been serving the Lord, but their children fell away. You know, they didn't have a sustainable relationship. Um, and I just I look at now of the difference in where we are and what we're building now. And I'm just going to just say in 2021 um, um, because uh, the 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 pattern is different. And, and, and I guess that's what makes me hopeful, you know, that, that um, for the long run, mm -hmm. for the long run. Because yeah. when you talk about what was it like, you know, for us raising children, because that was the other thing, you know, um, when we left, we had two children, when we left the, the, the denomination and God called Raleigh out. And it was specifically because the structure and the institution itself didn't support the call that he had in in the message that he had, you know. And it wasn't any different. I mean, it wasn't. It, it was still Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I mean, it was about that. But the structure didn't support, you know, the what we believed was building the faith of the people. You know, build seeing people grow up in their faith. You know, we felt. You know, I, you know, and, it, and it's nothing against it, but it was more like a revolving door, you know, that people would get give their heart to the Lord. And then they, you know, you didn't see him for months and, you, and you'd say where you be and they'd go, I was sinning, you know, and it was like, that's not a good, you know, that's not good life. You know, that's not what God wants for us. So you have to put a path, uh, lay a platform for people to build their lives on. And I believe, you know, that that um, what we're doing now will be um, even better. And, and it will be something that we call sustainable, that you will see that, you know, that they won't be lost along the way. I think the biggest cha challenge that we learned from having children in the ministry and the difference that we would say if we were to do it today. That's a good point. With the, with the architecture that we have now that we're building in Zion to bring downstream 
what that grace is that's coming from our apostolic headship and, and distill it down into the life and style of a child, which we haven't seen yet because we're still transitioning, we're still trickling down. But what we will end up doing will be something that builds that same kind of grace within our children yes. from the same messaging that comes through the adults that will keep the family intact because we, we, the ministry was, was very family separating in those days where the, where you get called to ministry and then you had to sit up in the pulpit and your family's sitting down here and your wife is dealing with the children in the pews, trying to keep them in order and whatever. And you're up in the pulpit trying to conduct a service because everything in church life was very much service oriented. Um, you had the service, a long service, and then you had dinners after service, the other kind of thing. But that was the that was this the culture. And as you can see, we have departed from that culture. And I think we were feeling the 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 this, the departure back when we started our church back in 1985, which is a long ways ago. But we were feeling this stretching away from that, from being a productive system. And when we came out, we did not recreate that, although some of that history and tradition did tr follow us. Yeah. But we didn't go out to go rebuild it. Right. So ministry right. became almost all consuming because of what it demanded of you. I mean, we'd have a we'd have services all the time. And so so you had to be there for that. And for me, my name got popular pretty quick. So you know, if you have a regional meeting or a district meeting, I usually had something to do in that meeting. And they call one of the young elders up, you know, and give you five minutes or give you 10 minutes to come out and preach real strong, real hard. And so you'd have to be up on the pulpit, you know, what have you. So ministry was different back in those days. Today, the big, uh, you, you're seeing what we're trying to build now that this, it's all about the saints. The saints are the ministers. You don't have to have a tag or a title or call. I mean, if you do, you do. But that really is a significant part of your journey when you get called to be an elder of a community with what we're building. That that process um, would be very different from what it was when we came through. So it was very life straining, Kisa, in, in, in that regard. And looking back, we survived it. But as Renee is saying, a lot of family, a lot of them didn't. A lot of them didn't survive. Yeah, and I would definitely agree with you guys because I know for us, even where we are right now, um, it's definitely family. Um, the dynamic of our family, everybody's involved, right? So it's not just, oh, Marcus has something to do, so now I have to sit with the kids, or mm -hmm. he has something to do, so now it's it's very much all of us together all the time. So. Um, I would definitely say the sustainability in a family structure is definitely there within our community because it's all about the mm -hmm. family and making sure that everybody's coming up together. Yeah. Yes. And so it sounds like, and I mean, so far is such a beautiful story, just how supportive and, and streamlined your relationship has been through life before Christ to life, um, um, finding him um, and then starting the ministry and all of that. Uh, my next question is, as a as senior elder with so many changes that is that are occurring in our church, 
um, what keeps you up at night or things that trouble you? And the second part to that is for you, um, Sister Renee, um, how do you help support him through those times? Oh, great. Well, um, I, I can almost, <laughs> one answer answers both of them, actually. I mean, I, I let me just, let me just say a little bit and then I'll okay, let you speak. Sure. Marcus, nothing keeps me up at night from the ministry. And that doesn't diminish the importance of things in the ministry. But life is so different now. Right. Um, there's a comment that was made by our Kenya, a pastor from Kenya the other day. I, I referred to him in our meeting on Sunday. You recall his name is uh, Joseph Jirogi, Pastor Jirogi, yes. yes, a couple years ago. He has a very large ministry in, in, um, in uh, Nairobi. Um, and he's one of the senior leaders in our Congress. He's on the Global Leadership Congress, GLC, Congress Leadership. And we are, we are uh, having meetings. He has different ones on that committee. There's about 12 senior elders on that committee from different parts around the world. And they are, and, and each one is over a certain region of the world. And right now they are sharing with a different region from ones that they lived in. So he's from Nigeria, I mean, I'm from Kenya, and he's sitting in an elders meeting, senior elders meeting in the North America to get to hear their heart about what's happening as they're transforming, transforming their churches to the KCA and listening to the senior elders hearts and speaking to us uh, as he would be speaking to his senior elders in Kenya and in and East Africa and the similarities between what he's saying to us and what our other leaders have been saying to us who are right here in the U.S., and what we've been talking about is mirror imaging. I mean, the, we talk about us having a global civilization. We totally are global, regardless of what your language is, regardless of what your color skin is, regardless of what nation you're coming from. There is one spirit leading our entire Congress. And one of the comments that he made in his discourse to us the other day is how easy life has become since we are now in this current process, particularly with the pandemic and having to go through this different approach that we're using right here tonight, right. not that there's not things to do and not that things aren't important, not that there are serious, not serious priorities, but when we got relieved of that process yes. by which we used to conduct the, com the community, and I'll say conduct church, right? when that thing got rolled off of us because you can't go there and you can't do that anymore, all you have is what was essential, presumably, in that model, which was relationships. Right. And since that model is gone, all you have is relationships, which we're using right now in this format that we're using here right here. But that has so created a different kind of life in the church that it eases the burden that we didn't even know we were carrying for the responsibility for all of that cycle and all that process and all of those meetings and all of that planning and all of that responsibility that had everything to do with that whole cycle and series of things and very little of your heart capacity was invested in what we're doing right now. Although you thought that's where it was, 
you didn't know it wasn't there until that other thing was removed. And then you realize that held most of my weight. Mm -hmm. That kept me up at night, yeah. not this. Yeah. Right. What we're seeing now is like you guys, empowered members who are relating, who are taking ownership, who want to take ownership and who are carrying a grace that connects us at a way that coming into a, field, a physical building never could. The pastor in Texas that I was referring to earlier, he told me, he asked me, so how are things going there in Pennsylvania? I said, oh man, they're doing just fine. How are they going there? He said, never been better. He said, never been better. We are stronger. We are, we are more emphatic. <clears throat> he said, not having to worry about bands and you know, all the things that go Ceremony. along with <laughs> having a service in a building. He said, man, we, things have never been so good. He said, in fact, I don't know what we'll do whenever we go back to the building. I know what things are going to be bad, <laughs> but I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know why we even need to go back there. And so the thing is, Marcus, that the grace that we are, that is flowing into our life has taught us to take your hands off and quit being so proactive to create something. Let it happen. Even right now, while we're transitioning into this new approach, this new format, there is something inside of me that wants to run it my way. And I have to keep reminding myself, let it happen. Let it happen. Because I would have been laying in bed thinking, hmm, I didn't have a meeting with so-and-so. I got to prepare an outline for this. I got to explain that. I got to call certain people about this. And all of these to-do things that makes you want to get ahead of the curve of change and losing members used to be a big issue. Not so much from a pride standpoint, but just because of what effect it has on the rest of the community. When somebody has been knit there and connected there, decides he wants to leave, so much explaining had to be done and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the fear of, and I say fear not in a trepidation kind of way, but just a concern for how to keep momentum going forward when 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 that big hole just got created you know that big gap just got created and now trying to bring it back together so that you can carry on with what you understand to be the the, the word of the lord in the church because it so detracts people from the spiritual momentum of what god is saying and as a senior elder that is my primary concern is that I feel like Moses taking the children of Israel through the wilderness. We have got to reach the bank of that river. Yes. Something slows us down. That concerns me because I'm on orders from the master. And I don't want anything to get in the way of accomplishing what God has for me to do. But this thing slows us down so much and then you don't know what kind of rumor and undercurrent are going on because of the distractors and other kinds of things that people are having because they can't hear God. They can't feel the grace that you're flowing in. They can't see the vision that you're kind of trying to build. I've come to a place now where I guess it's because the magnitude of the grace, but also the years we've been doing this, that certain things had to be cast off my mind and my heart that I just won't let certain things influence my attitude or my, my sense of peace. 
things are in balance and perspective because I'm submitted to the grace that is above me. And I can be obedient to that grace and not feel like I have to control things beneath me. It's like you, if you, if you know, when you have someone who you have to report to, you are no longer the head of a thing. You're the servant of a thing. So you don't have to control everything beneath you because your whole thing is to obey what's told you. (laughs) And hopefully people beneath you can see your obedient heart and say, well, obedience is the thing, not controlling other people. So rather than being upset because somebody left, just obey. Rather than being some upset because things aren't working, just obey. And so I guess that's why my heart is at peace, Mark, is that I don't strain with things. So, but I, and I'll say this when I'll let Renee talk, that, that I think one of the things that helps me very much to not let that become a weight, because those same kind of things can still happen, is that I have a partner who will give me the time to get things off my mind because we have these moments together. Um, and it's partly because of the way t- life has turned out for us to both be now retired from our other jobs outside of the home and outside of the ministry. And we have our days, but we always did this even when we had days. I mean, you have to find a half an hour here and 20 minutes there, but God speaks to me at certain times that I can't even predict some things I just need to say, I need to speak, I need to get them out. And she listens. And to me, that's like gold because, you know, she's busy. she got things on her mind and other things that are important to her. But Renee realizes, and I'll let you talk to that, Renee, because I, I feel like she realizes that I need her to lean on <laughs> to get things off my mind and off my chest. And not because I need her to say anything. But sometimes when I start talking, I can see my stupidity. I can see where, oh, I can see, oh, God, I, you know, let me stop. Let me just stop right there. And God can correct me just as I'm trying to formulate these things because she gives me, it's almost like God saying, go ahead and talk, stupid, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You're working your way out of it. Go ahead and talk. (laughs) Since you think you know everything, go ahead. Since you think you know, go ahead and keep talking. He's cracking himself. Up. I, yeah, I won't <laughs> stop to think about it. But since you asked me the question, honestly, honestly, that really, especially in these last couple of years, that my life has gone through such a transition in this process we've been following through the TI um, and the, the transactional imperative that we just went through. I take everything to heart that God says. And so I'm working to apply these principles and infuse these things into my life. So I have to talk them out sometime. And, um, and I really never stopped to think about it. But, you know, that is really how I think God keeps things off of me because Renee is very focused on the future. She is very, I mean, the girl spins on the spin cycle to Congress music. <laughs> I mean, Congress music is not spin cycle work. Right? <laughs> see, see, girlfriend, 
She Congress, 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 Congress. <laughs> I know, you out ahead of me on this Congress. Congress, Congress, Congress. <laughs> I, I, one time I even said, I said, this, I, I can't hear Dr. Woodrow's voice all the time. <laughs> Anybody else can talk but him? I mean, she's got him on in the bedroom. She got him on Sunday morning for a service. She got him on when she's spinning on the cycle. She got him on when she's sitting reading her Bible. She got Congress. Can it be radio? She keeps coming. Can it be radio? Got this new thing, Riley. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> so... So, you know, she helps me stay on path. She really does. I'm, I'm telling you guys an inside story here. Because my mind is so divergent and so creative in certain kind of ways that I want to take something and run it because you gave me an idea. I got that. Thank you very much. But she helps me to go, whoa, wait a minute. That's not how we do it. We don't do it like that. We stay on the path. Stay on the path. Don't get off. And that's the messaging I get, though she may not even use those words, but that's who she is to me, to help me stay to the path because I would be looking at Congress and this too. <laughs> wow. But she's like, mm -mm, I'm here, right here. I'm only here. And so that does definitely help me. So if that's news to you, honey, yes. I, I, I'm hoping to bless wow, you. This but is, that's the truth. It wow. is the truth. This is good for us, you guys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's told things that I never knew, you know, and that that, that he shared. Truth, it's truth. Thank though. you. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. Yep. Uh -huh. <laughs> 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 yeah. Don't yeah. embarrass y'all. Uh, Marcus, true. what was your question though? I think he How answered. He me? he answered it for you. I mean, now I did. I have that is one thing that I have said about him is he's a man of many words, and you did answer my question. Well, when he asked it, I said, "Well, really, I have an answer for both of us." I did warn you. Yes, <laughs> you started off with that. <laughs> okay. Well, then, how about this? You can you can answer the next question first, which is, um, what would you say that the formula was for making it forty plus years and remaining? Happily married. Good Very good question. Mm -hmm. And I would say keeping God first mm -hmm. in your marriage. And when I say that, I mean, it's, it might sound like it's something very simple, mm -hmm. but it, it, it's, it, it's bigger than that in the sense of, and for me, it has always been, you know, like uh, I can just remember, you know, when I would be, upset with him and we might have had intense fellowship about something and um and I would be I call myself sicking God on him because that was what I learned how to tell <laughs> God on him until God turned the mirror on me and said what about you my dear and 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 I guess that's that's the beauty too of I feel that my relationship with the Lord that I've learned you know that He is long suffering in the sense of He's you know when He corrects me it's not beat down so to speak you know it's just it's He it's it's so loving and so you know gentle that um, it's just entreating. 
but he's always said, he's always put the focus back, even when I'm, you know, like I might be feel that I'm justified in my anger or, or, or whatever the position that I, that I have. And he, and he just brings me back to him, you know, and, and what is, you know, how, how, how is that, how does, how can you justify that in, to me, to where I, you know, to who I am? And, and I think that that is, you know, the foundation of, of a, a relationship, our relationship, you know, that, that <clears throat> it's, it's like the scripture that talks about, you know, that it's like, I, I, I think of the prodigal son, you know, where he said, you know, that I've sinned against God. That was who he sinned against, that he recognized first and my father. So he reconciled himself first to God in the in his era and then he was able to be in a position to go and ask his father for being you know for forgiveness because he was wrong and i think that as long as we keep you know god as our focus you know that that because i can remember even saying like when i was telling god on him about him and him and him and you know and he was like what about you what about you you know um and I'd have to say, yeah, but, and he was like, I'm not talking to him. I'm not talking about him. I, nobody else is going to, you know, nobody else. Is, it's just me and you. He's not, you know, he's, you know, he's not in the equation. It's just me and you. How about you? And, and so, you know, when you talk about, and, and, and scripture comes to mind too, you know, like, how can you say you love God and you can't love your fellow man you know so it's like okay you know I have to get it right with God first and then get it reckon be reconciled to my brother mm-hmm. and and uh and then just just that's that the happily married part you know yeah we're 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 happy because we've chosen you know, we made a decision, you know, we made a, you know, I'm not going anywhere and you can't leave me because I'm married to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what's better than glue? (laughs) And, you know, know, I'll tell, you know, I tell people, you know, all the, I've, years ago too, you know, I said that he is my favorite speaker because I like to hear him speak. And, 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 and the beauty of it is, is because I know what I know him. And so I know that it's not him, but it's the God in him that I'm hearing. And, um, and so, yeah, I can listen to him a long time. And I guess maybe sometimes I might get a glazed over look on my face. Yeah, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, but but that's okay. You let me get it out. But I let him get it out. <laughs> well, I'd like to say, and Renee's all right, all those things she just said is true. But surviving 40 years means you have to take some things God says very seriously. Oh, true. Repentance, forgiveness, the danger of pride, being able to find pride in yourself. Um truly loving which means you know love thinks no evil there are battles that you have to fight inside of yourself 
because sometimes the person closest to you can become your enemy because they know you <laughs> and you can read them wrong because of the pride or, or assumption assumptions but the iniquity yeah that is within you makes you see another in the wrong way and there are some ways to to to, to control that and honestly, I don't know how a believer gets by without reading the scripture. I really don't. I just don't know how you can get by with it. Because the things that are in the scripture are the weapons of the warfare. It's the sword of the Holy Spirit. And you have nothing to fight those tendencies in you. Because your enemy is going to be the person closest to you. Your spouse. Because you're going to go through a lot of different experiences in life together. And to be in agreement and to not be combative um, and to be supportive um, and to be forgiving, there's a lot of yourself you have to conquer. Because we all start from the same starting point. We're all sinners. Yep. And, and we still have that nature in us, you know. So to fight the good fight of faith is really important. And I think for families, for, for, for our experience is <clears throat> that, that all of those things became actual weapons or tools at some point in time along the way that had to become the predominant way we survived. Because life is not a panacea. It's not utopian. You know, one couple that we were talking with recently um, was over the house here and um, they had a need to spend an evening with us and the wife said you know because when we were sitting there chatting just to get started and you know Renee and I always banter back and forth with each other because we make sure we get it right before we come before y'all <laughs> <laughs> if we got anything we got to straighten it out first <laughs> so so um, we're sitting here having a good moment, you know, and so she was observing because apparently they had some fellowship that was pretty tense. And, uh, and her first comment, I said, well, why are we here? What do you want to talk about? And I said, before we get started, I'd just like to say this thing, you all right there, you guys, I think, I want that. I want, I want that, that friendship that you guys have together. And I want to know how you all got there. And I said, this, this thing right here that you see? This is work. <laughs> this this, yes. this is not this is not icing. This is right. work at this. You have to work. This is work you're looking at. If you're not willing to put in the work, you're yeah, not going to get this. True. You're not going to be friends because it's easy. You're not going to you you know you're not you're not going to get through with a good heart. Right without without work yeah. you, you have to take god seriously you really do you do you know like when when he says things like you know and you, there are certain things i think too that help couples that you have ground rules you know you have you know you have mm -hmm. a we call them platforms mm -hmm. that we build on mm -hmm. you know but i know that for for us one of the things like that we'd say when we did our marriage covenant was you know, I mean you no harm. If you can, if anything that, despite you know how bad things might be, you know I, you know, and if I might have said something, 
I didn't mean you any harm. Now, I might have been throwing it like a dagger, but I didn't mean to stab you, you know? <laughs> I didn't mean to kill you. Know, you I didn't mean to kill you. I, didn't you know? mean, yeah. <laughs> I went a little woo, man. Just wanted to, yeah. Just wanted to nick you a, just a, a little bit. Just, just. That's right. What you know, I could, but I didn't really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and to be able to laugh at yourself is really important too, because I mean, you can really get tied up in an emotional knot, because couples do, and then they don't know how to get out of it because hardness sets in. Yeah. Um, and and gosh, you gotta. I, I think another thing is to have what you guys have, having a third party. To be accountable to you know is is like gold that's true absolutely it is like gold you you know do it you'll be honest with so so you can you know so you can have help um and so like for us mm-hmm. one of the things that i tell him sometimes i said i'm gonna tell dr woodruff on you mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm. What do you think Dr. Woodruff would say about that? Mm. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell. I'm like, you ain't telling me. Yeah, I'm going to tell. Because the beauty beauty of it too, though, is, you know, when he calls Raleigh to talk, Mm. you know, he says, how's Renee? That's the first question. How's Renee? Boy, are you treating that girl right? Yep. Whether he writes me or calls me, that's the first question he wants to know. And to your apostle, you don't lie. I mean, you should lie anyway. Right. But you, you know, when you respect, when you respect God, the gift God gave you as a spiritual authority to your life that your life responds to, you, 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 you definitely have to be honest. And I, I wouldn't even think about being dishonest. Yeah. You. But that is the first question that he asks. And he asks it seriously. I mean, he's always in a joking kind of way because he always says something to compliment her or whatever. But Doc is always serious. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, don't get too crazy with him because he's serious. <laughs> he might be left with you, but he's serious. Right. You know, if you don't answer the right way, he will come back with a what? And you know, <laughs> that, that's the beauty of the community that we're building too, is yeah. you know, that we are in this together. You know, we yeah. are in this, we are one flesh. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing, you know. Um, and but and you're but so you know, sometimes you you know, they're, they're your war in the sense of pulling against it. Yeah. But our, our goal is that, you know, we're working to become and be yeah. that one flesh. Yeah. It, and it takes too much respect. And I guess we can go on and on and on because it really, as you think about it, you can just think of instances where one of these principles might have bailed you out. But it, it's, it's so much of it is, is, is honor, giving honor to your your partner um not an honor i mean honor in an outward way but respect i mean we're individuals we're not the same person we don't think always the same way but we have to make this thing work together so when we have different points of view about something we have to be able to say to work together okay to that, that's your point of view fine i validate that it's not my point of view but it's yours and i don't need to feel bad because it's different than mine nor do you right. do you know, and talk that through so we can say, okay, well, then I see where we're different there. It doesn't make us disparate. It doesn't make us contentious. Right. Um, but those, that thing of honor, bestowing honor um, and respect, you know, no means no. Yes means yes. You know, um, those things never go away. 
So that's excellent. So the way that we end our podcast, we've asked you all the questions, and then some of them we actually we just naturally went into them, so we didn't even have to say it. So that that makes okay. me so happy. Which is, <laughs> I feel like it's just a natural conversation that we always have with you all. Yeah. Uh, so we have something that we do at the end of every podcast, which is called a nugget of knowledge. So it is something that um, just off the top of your head, if you were to be able to speak to the audience, what is something that you would tell them? So I'll go first, just so you guys can kind of get an idea. So for this episode, my nugget of knowledge would be um, what we have and what we just spoke about is to always or to try to find a third party that you can trust to help build your marriage. Um, I think one of the most important things that Marcus and I have done is to have you walk alongside us on our journey, right? Because we've never been married before. Uh, We don't know how to do this. (laughs) So um, the same way that you would go to school to, you know, gain knowledge, the same, like a doctor goes to get their degrees to learn how to become a doctor. I think it's the same way that in order to be married, you have to learn how to do it, but you can't just learn how to do it from anyone. It has to be someone who not only can you trust with your marriage, but those who will not the walk alongside you, but walk you towards Christ in every step of the way. So yeah, that would be my nugget of knowledge. My nugget of knowledge is very near to what you were saying in that um, it requires a level of, well, I think it was really more so what um, Sister Renee said in terms of, I mean, you no harm. You have to be in a place where you can separate how you feel about the delivery and hear the heart. And that can be very difficult and it is a skill. <laughs> it is, it's definitely a skill. Yeah. But give your partner space to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and get it off their chest. Mm-hmm. And then um, deal with those things in a, in, a, in a way where, you know, you're not offended. Right. You're not offended and you're dealing with whatever the heart of the matter is. Wow. And it might it might take, hey, listen, you know, I hear you. I want to process that. Let's, you know, circle Let's back and talk about that <laughs> another time when we're when we're, you know, when emotions are down. When we're not in in uh um, intense fellowship. <laughs> when we're not in intense, when we're not having intense fellowship. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I, and I think if you would if you approach that you avoid so many conflicts right because i think i i've heard it from you certainly you know if 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 there is a fence to be had it ends with me Mm -hmm. and so you know if if i hear it i hear it and i don't respond with the same energy that it was given to me that's My nugget of knowledge. That's a good nugget. That's a good nugget. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think my nugget would be don't feel that you are less of a person if you're the one that has to say that you have to offer the the olive branch. 
don't feel that you're mm. diminished in any capacity if you're the one that is working um, to th- that says I'm sorry, you know, uh, and and uh, because it's just a part, it builds, you know, I, I can remember one time, you know, when uh, we were having a, a, a situation and I said, I am, don't forget, I am the weaker vessel. And it, and it was like, yes, I'm <laughs> on you. <laughs> so, you know, uh, just, you know, just, it's, the word of God, you don't know who you are until you read the word of God. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, that, that has helped me, you know, when, when I tell the, but when we told uh, with our Project Virtue children, read the Proverbs, you know, and of course now we're reading the Bible through this year. And, uh, and just such that there are nuggets in there, you know, like for every day for every day. So that would be my nugget of wisdom. My nugget would be, well, there's a couple nuggets, (laughs) but the one that I would leave leave you with today. First of all, I'm glad we had this lighthearted conversation because we talked about some very deep things, but I hope your listeners understand that life can be fun and balanced and be serious at the same time. Right. Yes. Um, never lose trust because you might lose what you can't regain. Hmm. Trust is an important thing to protect. And if you're in a marriage relationship and an investment has been made into your life, your partner to trust you be careful what you do with it because you have their life in your hands trust is their life in your hands respect it respect it um and i'll let that marinate yes that was really good that was really good they all blended very well they did but that one that's a great one yeah yeah that was a really good way to end it it's so funny to listen to you know everything that we talked about because it's been in every one of our episodes every episode really a little bit of so i mean to to go back to when you said i hope that you know it helped the evidence is right there. Right. I mean, everything, even in terms of, you know, being lighthearted, that was my nugget of knowledge just the last episode, I believe. <laughs> so, you know, it's just all in there. <laughs> it's just all in there. Wonderful. That was just amazing. It, this was so much fun, you know, oh. and I thank you both so much for sharing your story of love and being so transparent with us. Um, and for the listeners, you know, we would really like to hear your response to today's episode. Um, there were a lot of gems and many years of experience um, that were shared with us. Um, what we're building here at Hughes of Love is a community. And as a community, um, we see the value in sharing things. So 
you know, please, you know, come and, and, and leave a comment or, and share what things stood out to you. Um, yeah. And you can go ahead and um, head on over to Facebook and look for our page. Uh, it's on Hughes of Love and tell us what you think. And um, don't forget to like, share and subscribe. And, uh, you know, until next time, keep on, keep on loving. loving.